Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. All right, you guys are having way too much fun, but I'm going to rein you in. Come find your seats, if you will. It's good to be in the house of God, amen? It's good to be in the house of God, amen? With the people of God, amen? If you're not sweating after that, something wrong with you. safe to say that the presence of God is here today, no? You know, it's funny because his presence is always here. It's just our awareness that's off most of the time. Sometimes he he manifests his presence differently, but if you're a Christ follower, you carry him around with you. His presence is always with you. He doesn't go anywhere. It's us that are blind to that most of the time. All right, let's, uh, let's pray before we get started here. Father God, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Father, we have one prayer this morning, and it's that anything that would try to exalt itself above your name would be thrown down. Anything that would try to exalt itself above your name would be thrown down. We just sang about it in the first song, my testimony, when we said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. He tried to exalt himself above your name, and he was thrown down to this earth. So many times our heart tries to exalt itself above your name. We may not realize it. That's our pride, just like Satan's rising up. And God, would you cast that down? Would you break off those idols? Would you break chains in our hearts today? Because we didn't come to play church, we came to be the church. We came to assemble together like you've called us to do. We came to sing and glorify your name like you've called us to do. And we will never stop. No matter what devil or government tells us to stop, we won't stop. These mouths will not be silenced, but they will go on glorifying your name. You are shaking the earth right now. You are shaking our hearts. God, would you remove the junk and the clutter and the chaos? That's our prayer in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Remnant, welcome to Remnant. You are the remnant. I hope you know that this morning. You know, it was interesting in um, early March, right before this COVID thing hit, I remember right before, like this place was packed. We didn't have any chairs left. It was standing room only. It was like, wow, this is amazing, God. And so many times in our, you know, this church never counts attendance. I hope you know that. We don't, we don't count our success as by the people of, that are in the chairs, Now, that doesn't mean the people that are in chairs are not important. Don't get me wrong. They're very important. We go after the one lost sheep. That's what Jesus' heart does. But we count our success by the presence of God and the freedom that he brings. I just remember the, you know, there's empty chairs here today. 
But you know what that's a sign of? The remnant. It's a sign that God's winnowing. He's, he's blowing the chaff off the seeds, off of both people and off of your heart. Um, I'm not watching a lot of TV these days, but when we do, we're watching Duck Dynasty as a family. And it's funny, though, because they have the, the free A&E app. You can go download it on your smart TV. Just a plug there. You can watch all the episodes for free. It's awesome. But they still have commercials in between. And I don't know if you've noticed, but so many of the commercials these days are like, hey, stay safe. Stay safe. There's signs everywhere. I just saw one on a church this morning coming to church here. Stay safe. I hope you know that that's the world talking. I hope you know that that's demonic voices talking. Because nowhere in the scripture do I ever see Jesus telling his church to stay safe. I see him telling his church to stay dangerous because we are at war. I don't know if you noticed it or not. We're at war. And he's called his bride, his beautiful bride, out to be a warrior, to step on the head of the enemy. We are, the victory's already won. Satan's punishment is actually for the church, the warrior bride of Christ, to stomp on his head until the end of time. And he's got us all stirred up. He's got the whole world stirred up right now with this COVID nonsense, with other nonsense. We have to recognize it for what it is. There was much worse diseases at the time of the early church than COVID. And they didn't huddle together in a little holy cave until the end of time. They went out into Jesus' instructions, go out into what? All the world and preach the gospel to all nations. So there's a lot going on right now, right? We live in a world of chaos and confusion. Do you remember the day, do you remember going into a store when you like weren't sure if they were requiring masks or not? Sort of. It's weird, like when policies change day to day. I read a meme yesterday. It was like Monday morning, 7 a.m. Amazon is requiring that every online order, you must wear a mask. <laughs> Some of you will get that tomorrow. Oh, wow. There's a lot of confusion going on in our world. And it's good to laugh about it, but it's good to recognize what the truth is and what the truth is not. See, God is not the author of confusion, but there is a liar. And Jesus calls him the father of lies. And he's your enemy, your enemy. You have a, an enemy who's got power still. He doesn't have supreme power, but he's got power only because the Lord allows it. But his name is Satan, his name is the devil, and there's no doubt in my mind that, that Satan is behind. He started this charade, he started this whole dumpster fire. Do you know why? Because Revelation 12 tells us that he knows his time is short. He knows his theology better than some of us do. He knows his theology better than some of us do. He knows what's happening in the end. He knows that he doesn't make it and that we do. 
And so he's going to do everything he can because he hates you. He wanted to be like God. He wanted to be made in the image of God. Guess what? He got thrown down. And guess who got made in the image of God? You did. That's why you are stomping on his head for the rest of his existence. See, Satan starts a lot of dumpster fires in our world, in your mind sometimes. But you know what? Your father, God, always turns it around on him. He's the master of the the turn. Satan starts all kinds of evil, and his purpose here on earth, just like Jesus said, he comes to steal from you, to kill you, and to destroy you. That's defined as an enemy, if I ever heard of a definition of an enemy. You have an all-time enemy that's coming to steal from you, to kill you, and destroy you. That's why you read read the Bible, it says, watch out. Because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. But here's the thing, it's a toothless lion. He can only roar. His greatest skill set is his lies. He doesn't have any teeth behind it because there's another lion, the lion from the tribe of Judah, that has already won the victory. See, Satan might start something, but Jesus is going to finish it. Jesus always uses even evil for his purpose. Satan started a rebellion in heaven. And Jesus finished it by creating you in his image. Satan put Jesus to death on the cross. And Jesus finished it by using his own death to restore you and me. And see, Satan might have started this whole COVID thing, the the whole world mess that we live in. But Jesus is going to finish it and he's going to use it to refine you, to winnow you, to separate the junk off of you from, from who he created you to be. That's what it means to be a part of the remnant. Jesus is calling you out as his remnant. See, I think there's so many of us that are trying to just survive in this season, right? We've all been there. We've just, let's hunker down, stay safe, survive. That is not what we're called to. Jesus is wanting you to fully embrace and recognize what is happening in this season. And is it tricky? Yes. If you stay in the word of God, if you stay on your knees before him, if you listen to the Holy Spirit, it's not that tricky. Turn off the world's noise. I'm not saying don't know what's going on. Definitely know what's going on. But know the truth. And the truth will set you free. This will take you back a while to the beginning of 2020. Remember that? It's like five years ago. Remember at the beginning of 2020, we were all like, 2020 vision. We're going to see this year clearer than we've ever seen before. Now we forgot all about that. We laugh about it now. But honestly, I think this is 2020 vision. You know when you go to the optometrist and, and he or she puts that little thing on your eyes and they roll the dials and you're like, well, I must be blind. I cannot see any of those letters. Oh, that one's better. That one's... And then finally you're like, whoa, perfect sight. That's what's happening right now. Through all the confusion and the chaos, you have to stay tuned to, what the, to God rolling the blindness off of your eyes. 
It's for you to get 2020 vision. We cannot afford, church, to stick our heads in the sand. We've done that long enough. We cannot afford to plug our ears and just pretend that none of this is happening. We cannot afford to cover our eyes. None of that. Jesus is asking you and I, the church of Jesus Christ, to lead the way. The darker it gets, the brighter he gets through us. He's calling for the church, you and me now, to rise up and to take our place and to lead this world who is lost, who Jesus loves and came to die for, to lead them into righteousness with him. And we can't do that if we're hunkering down in an Afghan cave somewhere or whatever cave. You've heard this story before if you've, if you've been here for the last few messages of mine, but 11 months ago, back in August, I was driving across the Shade Loman Bridge, and I asked God, I said, God, what are you doing in the church right now? And he answered me right away in, in my heart, and I, and I, know, I know this was him because I don't use this or I didn't use this word at all. He said, I'm winnowing. And right away, my, my grandpa was a farmer, my dad was a farmer, I knew exactly what that meant. When the combine clears the grain, it separates the seed from the chaff, the thing that's worthwhile from that which is thrown away. And that was before we experienced COVID-19 or any, anything else going on in 2020. God says, I'm, I'm going to use something that the devil started. I'm going to use it to shake my people because they need to be shook. They need to be shook back to my glory. Back to the glory days. You, you look at the word and it's all throughout there. He's calling for his remnant. These are the seeds of revival. We've been praying for revival for so long, haven't we? Some of us. It doesn't look like Disneyland. It doesn't look like fairy princesses and unicorns and cotton candy. It doesn't. This is revival and I would pray, I would urge you to step into it and not hide from it. Because God wants to use you as his seed, and he doesn't want you blown away in this time. See, the only question is what Jesus said to us in John 15. He said, you need to remain in me, and I in you. That's what the remnant is, those who remain. And you have to have a firm foundation in order to remain when the storms come. Amen? There's so many examples in Scripture of uh, uh, the remnant, but I want to highlight one, and then we'll move on to our main text today. I love the story of Elijah because I see it played out in my life all the time. If you remember, Elijah's on Mount Carmel, and he's going to battle. He's having this, this um, face-off, if you will, against um, the prophets of Baal who are under Jezebel's control. And they're on this mountain, and they agreed to this, this set of rules, like whoever's God can light their altar on fire, that's who wins. So the prophets of Baal, they go first. They, they're like going all morning. Elijah's making fun of them. It's pretty funny. Read the story sometime. He's like, what did, did Baal go to the bathroom? Or what, did he fall asleep? What happened, you know? And uh, it's all, I know, it's awesome. And uh, they're, they're, they're getting desperate, these prophets of Baal. Nothing's happening. Elijah's just sitting back in his hammock, like, waiting his turn. And they start cutting themselves, the prophets of Baal. They start doing all this crazy stuff. Still, nothing. Then it's Elijah's turn. And Elijah, what does he do? He takes, he takes water and just saturates the whole altar. 
like fills it to overflowing. And then he prays, and just like this morning, I don't know if it was lightning, I don't know what it was, the fire of God came down. It consumed the sacrifice, the water, and the stones. And God's like, exclamation point, boom. (laughs) Greatest day, I think, of Elijah's ministry. Like as far as a public display of like God's awesomeness. And then he gets to kill all the prophets of Baal, which sounds really harsh. But if the Old Testament, you have to understand, to understand the Old Testament um, judgment, if you bring that into the new covenant, that's uh, that's like you breaking chains off your life. That's like you breaking demonic. It talks about the spirit of Jezebel in Revelation, okay? She's still around. That old girl, she don't die very easily. We got to break her off, though. You're at war. And Elijah, you know, Jezebel was not happy about the prophets, her prophets being killed. So she sends a message to Elijah and goes, Elijah, I'm going to hunt you down and I'm going to kill you. And the next scene, we find Elijah in the wilderness coming off his mountaintop experience with God. Just, he, he spoke and God like blew up the side of the mountain. The next scene is Elijah begging God to kill him because he's so depressed that Jezebel's coming after him. And I think that's where many of us find ourselves in this season, if we're really being honest with ourselves. But what happens? An angel comes to revive Elijah in the desert and says, hey, you're not done. Eat this bread, drink this water, because you've got a journey. And 40 days and 40 nights, Elijah walks to the mountain of God where, where Moses spoke to God on Mount Sinai, same mountain God sends him to. And that's where he hears the still, small voice of God. And God says to Elijah, he says, hey, you're not done because you've got to train up a young guy named Elisha who's going to get a double portion of the Spirit of God on him. See, it's not just about you, Elijah. It's about the next generation. You're not done. And oh, by the way, Elijah, when you were crying out for me to kill you in the wilderness and you thought you were the only prophet of God, guess what? I had 7,000 other prophets of God, the remnant that have never bowed to Baal. So one of my messages to you this morning is, you are not alone. He has not rejected you. He wants to use you, and he's calling you once again to be part of his remnant. See, that's why we gather together. It's so important for us to gather together, to assemble. There's power in assembly. Hebrews says, do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together, even more and more until the latter day. So that means tomorrow it's even more important. And the next day it's even more important. So any, any, anybody that tells you not to assemble, that's demonic news. Just making that clear. We are an apostleship. We are a family. And what do families do? They gather together. We look in each other's eyes and we encourage each other in the Lord. We lay hands on each other. We build each other up in the faith. We remind each other that we're not forsaken. And don't get me wrong, I'm so glad for the internet that we have. We can live stream. That's awesome. And we love who's ever watching on here. 
and when you're on vacation or, or whatever, that's great. But if you're called to be a part of this church, you need to get your butt in this seat. That's just, that's just all. So we're going to talk, let's turn the page here. We're going to talk about Gideon this morning. Judges chapter 7. I love you guys so much. If you got your Bibles, it's not going to be up on the screen because I'm going to paraphrase some of this, but if you want to follow along, Judges chapter 7, we find Gideon and his army. He had 32,000 warriors with him, and they are camped by this spring, and over the next hill are the Midianites. And this chapter doesn't say how many Midianites there were. It just says they were like the sand of the seashore. So somebody was probably like, I don't, I can't figure it out. There's a lot of them, a lot more than we have, right? And God says to Gideon, he goes, hey, your 32,000 men you got with you? Maybe there's some women in there too, I don't know. Deborah, some of those, those bad women, man. There's some bad warrior women in the Bible. The Lord says to Gideon, hey, you got too many soldiers with you. It's too many. And I'm sure Gideon's like, say what? That's, really God? Did I hear that right? And God says, yeah, because if I let you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. See, there wasn't even actually any discussion from God whether they'd win or not. It was like, you're going to win. But if I let you win with 32,000, you're going to think it's all you. And so he says, Gideon, tell the soldiers, tell all the soldiers who's ever afraid they can go home. 22,000 men leave. So over two-thirds leave. And Gideon's probably like, gulp, okay, okay, God, we got this. 10,000 against the, the sand of the seashore. No problem. And God comes back to Gideon and he goes, hey, Gideon, you still got too many. And he's like, this is what we're going to do. You guys are camped out by this spring, by this pool of water, and I want you to test the men. This is so interesting, so fascinating. He says, test the men and how they drink water. Um, I think this is kind of, I just thought of this, this is kind of payback for Gideon, like, setting out those fleeces all the time. Like, hey, we're going to do something back to you, Gideon. We're going to do some weird tests, because you did that to me. Just a thought. God likes to have fun, too. And so he said, separate the men from how they drink the water. The men that, that lift the water out of the spring and, and lap it up like dogs, put over in this section. The other men who kneel on, on the ground and put their mouth in the water put them in another section. And once they were separated in sections, the Lord said, okay, send all the people who knelt on the ground and put their face in the water, send them home. 10,000 men, only 300 lipped it, grabbed it with their cup, with their hands, and licked it like a dog with their hands. So the other guys went home. Gideon's left with 300 men. He goes from 32,000 men to 300. So those 300 men who were part of the group that said, I'm not afraid, what do, you th what do you think they were when they're facing an army the size of the sands of the seashore? I'm guessing they're a little nervous. Just 300 left. 
I want to show you two things that need to be continually pruned from your life and my life if we want to be part of the remnant. And the first one is fear. 22,000, that was the first test of God. 22,000 left because of fear. Now, here's the thing. If you haven't experienced any fear over the last four months, then you are a liar. Plain and simple. It's not that we don't experience fear as Christ followers. It's what we do with the fear. It's the fact that we override fear with another kind of fear, which is the fear of the Lord, and it's called faith. We let faith rise up and override the fear that the devil is pointing or directing towards us. Remember when, it's so funny too that this was the first test because this is where God first found Gideon. If you go back a couple chapters, God finds Gideon and what was he doing? He was hiding in a wine cellar and God calls him out and says, hey Gideon, you mighty warrior, you. Right? Gideon's like, uh... I didn't want to be found. I'm like the guy that Chris just talked about, like the church isn't supposed to be. I'm trying to say safe, God. And God calls him out and says, hey, Gideon, you are a mighty warrior. Get yourself out of that cellar and lead my people. Gideon was hiding in fear. And I think the vast majority of the church in North America right now is hiding in fear. You know me, I love the church of Jesus Christ. But I've got to call it out. There's a lot of hiding in the wine cellar right now, and God is saying to his church, mighty warrior, rise up, lead the people through the fear and into faith. I get it, it's scary. We decided as a leadership team that we were going to reopen these doors before Governor Pritzker even allowed it. Because we live by faith. We don't live in fear. We live by assembling and not being divided. I believe God is calling the church out, our church, his church, the bride, North America especially, but all over the world right now, and saying, hey, you're my bride. You're supposed to be stepping on Satan's head, not the other way around. You are the remnant. You are my mighty warrior. It's time to rise up to your true self, shake off fear, put on faith, and break out of the wine press and lead from the top of the mountain. That's where I've designed you to leave. The darkness gets darker, the light gets brighter, and the church needs to lead the way. Take your place, mighty warrior. That's what he's saying to you, and he's saying to every church around the world right now. God has not given us what? A spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Not a mind of confusion, a mind that thinks. You know, if you're a believer, if you're a Christ follower, do you know what you have? You have the mind of Christ. That means you can speak the truth. You can speak him who is truth. Him who is the word. You know, when you fall so much in love with the word of God, the Bible, that it actually becomes a person to you, he is the word. That's where we need to be, church. Why are we looking to the world for wisdom when as a Christ follower, you already have the mind of Christ? You are seated above the fray in heavenly places. 
We need to use the power that we carry. We need to demonstrate the love that we carry. Our, our, our warfare is not against people. We love every person that should be filling these empty seats. But we do have a war against principalities and powers that we cannot see. And they're causing a lot of confusion right now. And we need to speak the truth louder than ever. But God is replacing your fear with his faith. Faith is what? The substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things that you cannot see. Faith is the foundation point for everything that God designed in you. The second thing that we need to prune and winnow and cut out of our lives is our casualness towards Jesus. See, the test that God gave them for God gave Gideon for the water, he separated the ones that were alert. It was a military test because the enemy was just over the other hill. So the soldiers that got down and carefully grabbed it with their hands, they were still alert. They were ready. They were still crouched down on their feet, ready to attack the enemy, ready for a surprise attack. The other ones that knelt down, put their face in the water, too casual, too comfortable. They were not ready to be warriors. We have to ask ourselves, where is the casualness in my heart towards Jesus? Far too long, the church in North America has been too comfortable. And, and I think these times are the greatest times. Just like Charles Dickens said, this is the best of times, this is the worst of times. And we have to have 2020 vision to say, wow, this is an opportunity for the church to rise up, for revival to come, what we've been praying for, to be released. But it's going to take me coming off my couch, if you will, coming off my casualness and back into holiness. See, there's no way that you'll be able to fight an enemy when you're bowing to somebody else, when your knees are on the ground, your face is in the water, you won't be ready. You won't even see the attack coming. If you're kneeling to something other than Jesus, it's called idolatry. And that needs to be cut off your life and my life. I had a dream a week ago, Saturday night. And part of my dream, Heather and I were in this uh, apartment building. We we're on the third or fourth story. And the, the apartment had this huge bathroom, just massive. And in the bathroom, there was a couch. And it was all white other than that. And the couch was maybe like this brownish, gross color. But it was a big couch. And the, the bathtub was on. And the water was clear. But it was overflowing over the bathtub. And it soaked every part of the couch. And instantly, and what we did, we took the couch and we threw it out the window. And instantly when I woke up, I knew exactly what the dream meant. The couch represented our casualness in Jesus, our comfortability in Jesus. The water was the Spirit of God overwhelming our comfort level. See, we come to church to do a lot of different things, to gather as a family. And we do have fun. And the holiness of God is fun. But we're too comfortable. We're too casual, many of us. And eat, search your hearts. 
That's what God told David. Search your heart. So Gideon's 300 men. The night before they were to attack the enemy, Gideon, God told Gideon to go down inside to the enemy camp. So interesting. And Gideon is standing next to the camp with some of these soldiers as they're supposed to be going to bed. And he overhears this conversation between two of the enemy soldiers. And it's about this dream that they'd had. And the man said, in this dream, I saw a loaf of barley bread come tumbling down into the Midianite camp. It hit our tents and turned them over and knocked it flat. And the enemy companion said, your dream can only mean one thing, that God has given Gideon, the son of Joash, the Israelite, victory over Midian and its allies. I'm sure Gideon in that moment, once he'd been pared down to 300 men, he'd probably had, he probably was scared. What's fascinating to me is God used the voice of the enemy to speak truth of what was going to happen. See, even the demons believe and tremble. Like I said earlier, read read Revelation 12. Satan knows his theology better than many of us. He knows that his time is short. That's why he's rising up right now. He knows what's going to happen. He knows what's the victory that's already certain, already been done, and the final victory that's already certain. And when Gideon heard the dream and the interpretation, he was filled with courage. And he returned to the camp, and they, they did a couple of things. They split into three groups, around, surrounded the Midianite camp at night. And they had a clay jar and a horn, one in each hand. And when Gideon gave the signal, I think you know the story, they threw down their jars of clay, and they blew the horns. And it caused so much confusion in the enemy camp that those Midianites, that army that was like the sand of the seashores, they ran out of their tents, bewildered and confused, and started fighting each other and killed each other. Not one sword was lifted until it was time to clean up and chase them down. When the Midianites finally realized what was happening, the soldiers of Gideon chased them down, cut off the heads of their kings, and brought them back. And you know what the cool thing is? I'd never seen this before. All those men that had been sent home because they were too afraid or they didn't pass the the water test, all those men, once the enemy was on the run, Gideon said, call the other troops in. And everyone else, the rest of the bride of Christ, joined in. How much faith do you think that brought them? When When they were dismissed because they were too afraid, When they were dismissed because they couldn't pass the military test, they got to join in the end of the battle. And that's my prayer for you and me today, is that we join in, even though, yeah, we face fear. There's things that that we're way too comfortable in in our lives. But we can join in. It's not too late. Jesus has such a redemptive heart. And he's looking for you to be part of his remnant. So that's my question to you today. Will you be part of the remnant? Why don't you close your eyes? We're just going to go into a time of prayer and reflection. The remnant of Jesus is rising, my friends. And the only question is, will you be part of it? See, sadly, many fall away. 
Jesus said, Matthew, he said, narrow is the gate to God. Wide is the path to destruction. Later on in that chapter, he said, many, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, on that day. But I'll look at them and I'll say, I never knew you. You won't enter the kingdom realm that I had prepared for you. That's one of the scariest scriptures. We have to stay on the narrow gate, the narrow path. There's no middle ground, my friends. Jesus says to this to the church in Revelation 3, he says, I wish that you were either hot or cold, not lukewarm. Because the lukewarm I will spit out of my mouth. That's Jesus talking. I will spit you out of my mouth if you are too casual with me, if you are too comfortable with me. There is no middle ground. Those are harsh words from Jesus. But he's owing, only saying it out of love. He disciplines those he loves. There's chaff that needs to be blown off your heart today. There's things that need to be pruned out of your life today to leave a seed that remains, to leave the remnant of God. I'm going to speak to several different groups of people this morning. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to speak to those who have come in here or are watching on the podcast that may not know Jesus Christ. Or maybe you need to turn back to him today. Jesus is the truth, the way, the life. He died for you. He took a punishment for you that was so brutal. We can only imagine what it was like. He had the beard plucked out of his head. He had the cat of nine tails ripped into his back. It was pulling off most of the flesh off of his back. And that was before he got put on the cross. His hands and his feet were nailed to a tree. He was raised up and basically suffocated and bled for hours. A death of agony, the, the worst possible death you could have. And he did that because he loves you so, so much. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but, but all you need to do is turn to him. See, he's already turned to you. You just need to turn to him. And in this moment, if your heart, just, just speak to him from your heart and say, Jesus, I turn to you. In that moment, there's no magic words. You just say, Jesus, I turn. I receive you. I receive your Holy Spirit. In that moment, you will be a son or a daughter of the Most High God. You will be transformed to your true self, the self that you were created to be. And if you did that for the first time here in this building or on the podcast or live stream, I want you to come find me, text me, find me after service here, because I want to pray with you. I want to help you on this narrow path. And then I want to talk to those of you in here that are facing a lot of fear right now. 
fear is causing you to hide and stick your head in the sand and to plug your ears and be blinded. I don't want to speak words of faith to you this morning and say, just like Gideon, just how he was hiding out of fear, you are actually a mighty warrior. You are supposed to be on the front lines of battle. You are supposed to lead the charge. So I want you to do something today to break off fear in your life. If that's you, everyone's dealing with Jesus right now in their own moment with their eyes closed. But if that's you and you need to break fear off your life, I just want you to come forward and kneel on these mats. Just an action of faith that will break the chains of fear. Start to break that off your life. Sometimes we need to do something in the natural to break things in the spiritual. So just come on forward. No, no one's looking, but even if they were, you take an act of faith and you step forward and you say, that's me. I need to break some fear off my life right now in Jesus' name. Just come forward. Then I want to talk to you. Those of you who are, have been treating God too casually. Too comfortably. That's all of us, really. I just read this verse to you. Jesus says, I wish that you'd be hot or cold, not lukewarm. Lukewarm, I will spit out of my mouth. It's such a harsh statement from Jesus. But sometimes you need to hear some harsh words to walk in the truth once again. If that's you and there's any area of your life that you've been putting above God, making an idol above God, I, I don't know what it could be. It could be possessions. It could be your job. It could be you're going to um, sex and alcohol instead of him. It could be other, other simple things that don't seem like an idol, but they are. They're exalting themselves in your life, in your heart, above the throne of God. That's, that's what needs to be cast down right now. You know what it is. So in this moment, I just want you to open your hands. And release that idol. Say, Jesus, I cast that down. I'm not going to live casually anymore. I'm not going to be lukewarm. I want to burn hot for you. And even though there's a fire that I'm thrown into, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into that fire, Jesus is in that fire with you. And he'll use that fire to remove the dross, to remove all the junk, to prune you, winnow you to cleanse you back to his holiness, back to being a place of being hot, burning hot for him. If that's your prayer, just, just open your hands to him, release the junk, and receive the truth. See, here's what I realized last night about what Jesus says in Revelation. He said, if you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. See, there's another story in John 9 where a blind man came to Jesus 
Do you know what Jesus did? He spit on the ground into the dirt. And he took that dirt with his spit and he put that on the man's eye. He washed it off and the man could truly see. See, if you're lukewarm today, you have another chance. Jesus is making you new once again. You might be spit out of his mouth, but he's going to grab that dirt and mix it with that spit, the same dirt that you're made from right now, and he's going to put it on your eyes so that you can see if you will step into his. If you will step into it. He's willing to heal you. You just have to step into it. He's willing to make your blind eyes see 2020 vision if you will step into it. God, let the junk fall. Let the truth remain. Thank you, Father, that you are winnowing your church. Thank you, Father, for what you are doing. I'm going to ask you in a moment that if you want to be part of the remnant, wherever you are, if you're dealing with fear, if you're dealing with things breaking off your your comfort level this morning, wherever you are, I'm going to ask you in a moment to stand. Just as a declaration, I want to declare some things over you prophetically. I'm going to ask you to stand in a moment, but I don't want you to stand unless you truly mean it. Because what you're saying is, what Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. See, Revelation 12 describes three things that defeat our enemy. The blood of the Lamb. That's those of you that just received Jesus. His blood covers you. It's your salvation. It's the greatest gift ever. That's number one. The blood of the Lamb. The second thing that defeats the enemy is the word of your testimony. It's really the word of his testimony. It's what we experienced last week, hearing the testimonies of Jesus. So what we sang about this morning. It's you never shutting your mouth to what God's doing in you and through you. Later in Revelation, it says the, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That's why we will never be silent about the testimony of what Jesus is doing in us. Because our testimony makes faith rise up and brings other testimony. That's the second thing. And the third thing that defeats the enemy is that you did not like love your life even unto death. And in order to stand this morning, I'm, I'm not suggesting everyone stand. I'm really not. I'm saying you got to think about this. you got to be willing to give up what Jesus gave up, his life. That's what makes up the remnant. Men and women that are so bold that they will sacrifice everything. They will give everything because they know that this life is just a vapor. They know they're fighting for something far beyond this life. Like Paul said, you have to be willing to say what Paul said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. It's even better. I'm not suggesting that we just go out and and, and kill ourselves. No, I'm saying you have to be ready to count the cost. You have to be ready to follow Jesus in every moment, to pick up your cross. That's not a comfortable life. 
I'm not saying God doesn't give blessings. He does. He gives favor and blessings to his children. But there's also the tension of suffering. There's also the tension of saying, I'm, gonna, I'm ready to sacrifice everything for the greater glory, for his glory. I'm ready to throw every idol to the ground so that he is exalted. I'm ready, like in Revelation, it says, I'm ready to place the crown that he's given me, the favor and blessing that he's given me, I'm ready to place that at his feet because he is so worthy. He is so high. He is so blessed. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is filled with his glory. So if that's you, if you're willing to count the cost, I just, every eye closed, you just stand to your feet right now. Don't do it unless you mean it. Maybe you don't mean it now, but you're, you're thinking about it. God, work on hearts. Work on hearts. Today, those of you that are standing, I want to declare this prophetically over you. Just like the story of Gideon, you thought the enemy was surrounding you. You had so much fear, you thought the enemy was surrounding you. But you were actually surrounding the enemy. You were actually the one that's supposed to stomp on his head for all the time. You were actually the one that's supposed to advance the kingdom and, and destroy demonic activity and to break chains through the blood and the power of Jesus Christ. You were the one. You were the mighty warrior. Come out of your wine press in Jesus' name. And those of you that are standing, you're just like that clay jar that Gideon's soldiers threw down and broke into a bunch of pieces. You are just like that clay jar. You are made out of clay just like that jar. And right now, you're taking a prophetic action by standing. You're saying, I'm willing to lose my life in order to gain it. I've counted the cost, and there's nothing higher. There's nothing higher. So I will take that clay jar and I will throw it down. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 4, 6 to 18. This is my declaration over you today. For God who said, let there be light and darkness, has made his light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. That's you. Throw it down. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles. Yep. But we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. It's okay to be confused, but we are not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but we are never abandoned by our God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the very death of Jesus Christ so that the life of Jesus may be seen in our bodies, that the life of Jesus may be seen in these broken clay pots holding such a great treasure. Yeah, we live in constant danger of death because we serve Jesus. That's life as the church. That's life as the warrior bride of Jesus. 
We should expect it. We're not going to play it safe. We're going to play it dangerous because we have an enemy to hunt down. We have more ground to occupy. We live under constant danger of death so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So that we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. We will continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist said when he said, I believe in God, so I spoke. I believe in God, so I spoke. I will not be silent. You will not be silent, remnant. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. All of this is for your benefit. It all works together for good. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. This is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small, and they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them, and it will last forever. So now we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that we cannot see. That's what faith is. For the things we see now will soon be gone. Your present reality will soon be gone. But the things that we cannot see, they will last forever. Church, we're in a move of God whether you want to see it or don't see it. He wants you to join in, be a part of his his remnant. No matter what you're facing this morning, whether it's fear, whether you had to leave some things at the cross, cut off some comforts, throw a couch out the window, you are invited to be in the remnant of God. Let's sing this out with everything we've got. We're in a move. We are in a move. Thank you, Jesus.